Hi, this is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I serve as the interim site pastor at Urban Village Church, Edgewater. Urban Village Church does bold, inclusive, and relevant ministry for people who were traumatized by church, people who feel over-churched, and even the non-churched folks. If you identify with any of these signifiers, we're so glad you're listening. Would you consider helping us continue this Jesus-loving ministry in and across Chicago and over the internet? You can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. Good morning, everyone. My name's Carlos. My pronouns are he, him, and jefe. Oh, you guys got it. So I'm going to be reading uh, from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, uh, verse 14 through 30. Feel free to pull out your calculators because there's a lot of numbers in this. (laughs) And it's kind of hard on a Sunday morning. So the parable of the talents. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And go into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also went forward saying, Master, you handed me two talents. You guys are calculating, right? You handed me two talents and I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many more. So, and then the one who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. 
As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Word of God. Amen. Good morning. My name is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I currently serve as the interim site pastor here at UBC Edgewater, which is where you are this morning. So welcome. Will you pray with me? God of captives and God of pilgrims, you brought your people home from despair and you gave them a land of freedom and of plenty, more than they could have imagined. So look on us, God, with mercy. Deliver us from the prisons of selfishness and sin and bring us home to justice and to sharing and compassion, the realm that you have promised all of the world in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so it is in our brother and friend's name, Jesus. Amen. I mentioned last week that this is uh, not my favorite story in the Bible, but uh, Laura Grimes mentioned last week it is one of her favorites, and I have to say, I'm kind of coming around to it. Uh, You see, parables are a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Each time we read a parable, we should be looking for God-like activity, not just in one character, but in all of the characters. And so in today's story, which we also read last week, uh, we read of this landowner who takes a long leave of absence, like he's going on this European backpacking journey he's been planning for a really long time and won't shut up about it, or like he's going on his gap year and is ready to get out of town, get out of Dodge. The landowner decides to take a leave of his responsibilities and he entrusts his workers and promotes them from laborers to financial advisors. He entrusts each of them, these folks, with different amounts because the text says it's according to their abilities, no judgment. Some folks are better with numbers, taking risks and seeking out better opportunities, and some of us are really good at talking in front of large audiences. I don't know. While each is entrusted with a different amount, all, all are entrusted. All are expected to give and all are rewarded equally. There is no favoritism for the rich who make the rich richer, which is interesting because this story also appears in Luke 19 and it's not as good of a story because the, the landowner doesn't reward everybody with the same. So what Matthew's gospel wants us to know about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is for all that all are rewarded with the same blessing, the welcoming into God's presence, no matter how big or small the profit margin at the end of the year. And so it is a capitalistic season. I don't know if you feel it in the air as you walk down the Michigan Avenue or Clark Street, but it's a season for businesses and nonprofits and even churches across our country because that Black Friday, Friday creep is real, suggesting how we should spend our monies and it crawls into our inboxes on Thursday, Thanksgiving night at around 5 p.m. and stretches into Cyber Monday. And then the small businesses want to get on, in on the gig that Saturday and nonprofits then start requesting your donations on what is called Giving Tuesday, which is something new to me. Did you remember Giving Tuesday when you were little? 
All these places and organizations and Macy's and Targets and Amazons, they will all be telling you how to spend your money, requesting that you give them their money, hopefully to make yourself feel better for buying their product or their services and giving your money to support their cause. And really, if we're being honest with ourselves, the Christian church is no different. Because most churches, if you've been in a church setting for a year or two, you've recognized as Christian churches enter into what is called the stewardship season, which is just a churchy word to talk about November. (laughs) You've noticed sometimes that we talk about pledging and why we give, that we ask you to consider why you're giving. There are testimonies and scripture passages about crazed landowners expecting people to turn a profit. There are so many places and spaces you will go this time of the year, demanding your attention, but also demanding your financial dollars right now, which is another way to say places demanding you to think about your power and how that it is essential here as a church that we talk about money, how we use it and what God believes about money because everywhere else is telling us what to think about and believe about money. And so this passage always makes the hairs on my chinny-chin-chin bristle a little bit. From the landowner who expects payment and rewards to that guy in the background who invests, who doesn't invest and suffers a really harsh punishment. And as I sit with this passage and most of the Bible, let's be honest, I find myself with these little nuggets of hope. I fall in love again with the God who reaps where God did not sow because God saw potential in in all kinds of spaces. And I fall more in love with a God who gathers where God did not scatter seed because God saw that there were leftovers in someone else's field and thought, I can do something with that. And so this passage is actually no exception. The investors, all three of them, are tasked with growing and giving. They are able to give more than what they were already given to them because it technically all belongs to the landowner. And the landowner asks his entrusted financial advisors to be non-anxious about their financial investment, to avoid anxiety about money and their ability to share it, which is not my natural inclination when thinking about money and my own bank account. Their gifts to the landowner are returning what already belongs to him. It is about trusting their God-given gifts with what was entrusted to them. And so they give back. The landowner's The landowner equally rejoices and has a joyous response, signifying that it has little to do with the amount being given and more to do with the joy and the sense of pride in the giving. You may have noticed over the last few weeks, uh, we've been giving testimony. Kaylee gave a really powerful testimony this morning about why people give financially to Urban Village Church what people get out of giving to God and what God has entrusted them with. And uh, I'll just be honest and call some of you out that uh, I've asked a lot of you to give testimony and some of you have avoided me and you've not returned my calls or you've texted me back to say, heck no, pastor. And some of you have tested, told me, I don't wanna seem prideful. I don't wanna make others feel bad. And all of these responses are totally understandable. All of these responses, mostly because we live in a society that constantly tells us how to spend our money, constantly makes us feel bad about how we spend our money, constantly makes us feel bad about how much money we make or how little money we make. Except, uh, 
And we never really talk about it, except maybe you do when you whisper those prayers to God, when you insert that chip of your debit card and just hope for that little bell to ring. It makes sense that we have these complicated feelings, but I'm here to tell you that that's not how God thinks about you. That's not how God thinks about your money or how God wants you to think about your money and your power in this world. God knows that money runs this world. That's why Jesus, Jesus himself talks a whole heck of a lot about money. He tells these wacko stories about coins being found in fishes' mouths. What the heck does that mean? I don't know. Paying taxes and sharing finances. Jesus talks about money in so many complicated ways because Jesus knows about the late night prayers of those avoiding debt collectors. Jesus has heard the confessions of those making money off of the poor for the rich. Jesus asks his disciples, who were then mostly women, to financially support him and his ministry. Jesus expects giving to make the life of the church, the life getting mixed up together, which includes the mixing up of our most precious thing we're too afraid to talk about, our money. That's why he tells this, this what I've now come to think of as a beautiful story about the rewarding of giving as equal. No matter the size of the gift to God, you are giving to God what already belongs to God, and it is celebrated. It is good and faithful and demonstrates one's goodness and faithfulness to what God has entrusted to you. Therefore, talking about giving and not feeling shameful about how much or little we make how much we are able to give or how little we are able to give. Giving is a sense of what I'm gonna call God-infused pride. Just like we say God is proud of the queer, we also believe that pride that we, use, that we could use our finances to further God's kingdom, pride that we could use tools that are sometimes considered the root of evil to further God's goals of justice and love and mercy is actually God-infused pride. It is a sense of elation and power about our contributions to the kingdom of God. The act of giving is our outward activity of our faith. The life following God is not just this internal sweet feeling of early morning prayer and not following asleep, of memory memorizing Bible verses and then promising you'll only listen to contemporary Christian music from the early 2000s. That's not just the life following God. A life following God is actually followed up by our actions. It's not just about the heart and the head, but it's about the hands and the feet and the wallet that have to get involved. So, uh, because you all have been so vulnerable with yourselves. I too am going to practice a little bit of vulnerability, but what I'm also calling God-infused pride. When I look back on my life, beginning in the college years when I was a strong, independent woman making her way in the world, I had a monthly budget of $100. A monthly budget of $100. I lived in a small West Texas town and inflation wasn't so big then and I was still living off of like student loans. So my monthly budget was basically what I could afford. And I chose out of that $100 to give $10 a month to my church that met in a coffee shop and believed that women could be pastors. Every year I would file my taxes and I would fill out about my student loan debt and the barely money I was making on my on-campus job. And then I would deduct $120 of my generous giving and it felt darn good. I felt a sense of giddy justice that I was considering that I was contributing to something outside of myself, outside of my late night runs to Sonic and my new makeup purchases. 
I was contributing to God's justice in the world. And since then, I've grown in my understanding and ability of giving. So in 2018 alone, I gave money not only to the church, but to institutions and to people running campaigns in which I believed in. And so in 2019, my spouse and I will pledge $3,600 as an income to Urban Village Church. And that might sound like a lot or a little to you. For us, we feel it every time we go to check our bank account and it deducts. My lovely spouse, you may or may not know, is a perpetual student in his 10th year of graduate school with no end in sight. <laughs> and our, our dear sweet dog contributes nothing but kisses and farts to our <laughs> monthly income. So UVC, that means you all pay me generously. And I am proudly, this God-infused pride, proudly the primary earner in my household. And I will say I take great God-infused pride in my ability to provide for my family. And my spouse, he's not here so I can spill all the tea. He contributes maybe just a little bit of our finances, but whatever he contributes, he quickly spends on new biking gear and running gear and hiking equipment. Like for real, don't get me started about how many trekking poles we own because I don't know what trekking is. <laughs> And I don't understand why you have to buy so many freaking golf balls. Why do you quit losing them? I am going to lose my shirt. My sweet spouse finds a way to make any hobby, whether it's sports or sporting a handsome beard, a very expensive hobby. And despite his spending habits, despite our level of income, we make it a priority to give Urban Village Church because... It's a transformative gift we are transformed by. So Joel doesn't complain when I sweetly, so sweetly yell at him <laughs> to return something because he knows our finances are better spent on a community and with God than on the latest Apple product. Not only that, our giving reminds us of what God wants for this world. Namely, God wants queer folks to have a brave space to explore God's love, read God's word, and eat a meal at the table without feeling shame, but knowing that they are welcomed and loved here. God wants a world where babies, children, and families can grow to be workers and contributors to justice and joy, not violence and hatred. So my family gives to UVC because we see these things happening in this place. We believe it is essential for God to get everything God wants and God needs a little bit of money to help. So whether you have an online shopping habit, like my spouse or not, ultimately, as humans, we are seeking to live a life well-lived, to be received by God, who says, Come into the joy of your master. You are good and so beloved. And so one way we hear that whisper of God's message is when we look at our bank account statements. And remember, I have used my money to help people share love, not just here in this theater, but in our entire city. I have given to candidates and believe in organizations and I see doing God's work. When we peek into our bank accounts sometimes, maybe with fear, of how much will be in there, but also we look in there hearing the whisper of God saying, you did that, well done. 
Beloved one who believes in things, who shares the things, who saw hungry people and gave them something to eat, who saw thirsty people and gave them something to eat. And now maybe you'll say, Aaron, that's getting a little too further into Matthew's gospel. And I'll say, but I know when I saw you see the Lord hungry and thirsty and did something about it. Because beloved, you saw young queer teens abused by spiritual leaders and you sought out a church boldly saying, God is fiercely proud of the queer. You saw racism wreaking havoc on our medical systems, on our jails and prisons and on our schools. And you did not, you did not sit idly by, but you joined a community actively rooting out racism within its own institution, within its own people, and within its own city. Beloved, you saw a world run by how much money one could make and how much money you can spend. And you said, heaven no, I am unbought and unbossed except by the God who bought me at a price so I will share my wealth with others because there is more than enough to go around. I am not afraid of scarcity. I relax into God's abundant grace. You did that. And so UBC, we give in all the ways we can, not just you here in, this pe- in these comfortable chairs, but as an institution we give. Maybe you know this or don't, but people at UBC in our Wicker Park location, they partner with this place called 826 Chai and they help train young kids how to write creatively and see beyond their own capabilities at the time. People give meals out of the Bridge Project, like delicious, fancy meals to those experiencing homelessness. People spend their time cleaning up the Chicago River And then last week we did the Share the Love Project and there's still some love in the basement that we have to go out and share to those experiencing homelessness this week. People give by showing up to serve on a worship team. There were like so many children out there welcoming this morning. People give by serving on the greeting team, providing food, organizing for justice and praying for each other. Also, the people you help pay, your pastors. We give of our time to serve on the board of the Community Renewal Society, to serve on the board of Bishop Anderson House, which trains people to be our lay chaplains here, to spend time at the Art on Sedgwick, making sure that low-income people get to experience the joy and beauty of art in their world. And then Pastor Emily basically like runs this thing called Forum for Theological Exploration, where she helps send young queer people of color to explore what it might be to be thought leaders and theological leaders in their world. One of my favorite uh, stories about UBC Edgewater specifically and the way you all give specifically is there once was a person here. He no longer lives in Illinois, but his name was Patrick. Patrick would come and serve as the liturgist on Sunday mornings and had this grandeur about him in this beautiful way of communicating the love of God by talking about announcements and tear-offs. That's a talent, talking about tear-offs as the love of God. But Patrick also knew that he could come into this space running a little late, not able to find his shoes on a Sunday morning, so he grabbed his drag high heels from night's last performance, dusted off those bedazzled beauties that were four-inch high heels and could provide as liturgists while strutting around on this stage. Not only that, but then little toddlers like uh, Wendell and Luke would come waddling up at the end of service to check out these four-inch heels and know that God sees masculinity and power and strength in tall men communicating the love and gospel of Jesus Christ in four-inch bedazzled heels. (laughs) 
Not only that, when you invest and give to UVC, UVC then sent Patrick to the Forum for Theological Exploration because Pastor Brittany, our former pastor here, and myself saw that Patrick could communicate the love of God so well that we nominated him to go and explore what it might be to be a theological expert, a young queer man of color. And so then Patrick went on his own journey. He no longer lives here in Illinois, but exploring what it might be to be a chaplain in the military. So when we give to UBC, we give to something so much bigger than ourselves. It expands and ripples out to cover our veterans, our people laying down their lives so that we can vote and have our vote counted. That's what we do here. That's what our financial gift does. And that's what God's big imagination abundance can do with our small dollars. So when you give to UBC, you're not just giving to make bread happen or music happen, but you're giving to see a world look more like what God wants it to look like. That's what you do. You did that, beloved. If this is a place where it's your first time pledging, much like Kaylee said, she had never given before, but suddenly felt a place where she feels herself to give. We have a person here at UBC Edgewater for every person who pledges for the first time, no matter the amount. If you're committing to give for the next year to UBC and your pledge just helps us build a budget for next year. Your faithful gifts helps us know how to faithfully spend in the next year. Those gifts for a first-time pledge will add, our UBC giver will add $200 to your gift. So if you're pledging like I did in college, $10 a month, and then at the end of the year, it's only $120, but then your gift all of a sudden becomes $320, almost tripling your gift. This is the abundance of God, giving and sharing of our resources with one another. Will you pray with me? Holy God, you brought our ancestors faithfully, keeping promises with them. You made them and led them as a people into the future, providing hospitality along the way. Help us, those who have inherited this giving and sharing way of life, to journey faithfully at your command. That we may be this band, this ragtag group of disciples called to be community in your service. And so we offer up our gift and our time and our talents and our financial resources to be of power and of use to you, God, because it is yours, ultimately. We pray in the name of our brother and friend, Jesus. Amen.